0: Hello, and thank you for joining the Talent Revolution podcast. On this show, we have honest and thoughtful conversations about the changing landscape of human resources and talent development. We discuss how professionals can optimize their workplace experience and how organizations are transforming the people functions of their business. I'm your host, Shana Lee, an executive coach and organizational change consultant. I focus on inspiring individual professionals to reach their maximum potential, as well as creating dynamic and effective talent development and people operations processes for business. So let's start the show. Thanks for tuning into the show. My guest today is Oren Klopper, the CEO of NetSureit. NetSureit provides proactive, industry-leading IT support, strategy, systems design, and ongoing support that enables companies to streamline business operations, increase productivity, boost profitability, and overall maximize the ROI of their IT investment. The company has established five locations around the world and has been recognized by MSP mentor as a global top 100 MSP, which is a managed service provider, nine years running. Oren's passion for business creation, people management, and customer service has been a fundamental driving force to the success of Netshare. He has represented Netsheret at the Microsoft Worldwide sms Partner Advisory Council and the Microsoft Software Plus Service Partner Advisory Council. Orrin has a master's degree in entrepreneurship from the MIT Sloan School of Management. He was a founding member of the Entrepreneurs Organization in South Africa and is an active member of the Young Presidents Association. On this episode, we'll discuss the Dreams of Doers initiative that Netsheret has integrated into the fabric of their company culture. Through this conversation, you will learn about what the Dreams of Doers program is, how the initiative has positively impacted the performance and well-being of Netsure employees, and what steps you can take to initiate this type of programming at your company. Hey, Oren, thanks so much for joining me today.
1: Hey, Shana, great to connect.
0: Yeah, and I have to say, um, as I mentioned on our pre-call, when I first decided to do this podcast, your company was the first to come to my mind because I remember the first time we met and I went into your office and I saw the whiteboard said welcome Shana and that just really went a long way for me in terms of feeling like wow this company values people they value their people they value their guests and and when you ever told me about the dreams of doers program or the dreams initiative I was like wait this is too good to be true these people come to work they get paid to do a skill and they also get paid to pursue their dreams that's pretty amazing so given this podcast really focuses on talent and how, you know, moving away from legacy HR and moving more towards modern modern ways of thinking about how we manage and, and, and grow our people, I, there was no other person that I felt would emulate that than you. So I'm so excited to have you here and to tell us about the Dreams of Doers program. So uh, we heard a bit about your company. I don't know if you want to add any more, but can you tell us, like, how did this whole initiative come about?
1: Sure. Um... <clears throat> yeah i think you know i've always had this um this belief that uh so much of what what i could potentially achieve in my life was a function of of really going through a structured process of deciding what i want in my life and then being disciplined and focused on achieving that and um you know in the early days of of net we we worked very hard, and you—I don't think you could put the word "balance" into the culture of the early days of our business. Uh, it was—it was crazy. I mean, we would get up really early, we'd be at the office super, super early, and work till very late, and pretty much a seven-day week. Um, and I think it was about 2004. One of our, one of our, one of our key engineers, who's still with us now, he's actually in our New York team. Um, had, had a, a, a small sort of breakdown. He was sitting in front of a server and he was just sitting there not typing. And I realized at that point that a lot of people that go into the technology industry, it's their passion and it's a very demanding industry. And if we don't uh, make uh, balance part of the DNA of our culture, I don't know how sustainable our business will be. And um, you know, so it was Pretty early on, I came across a journaling tool called Map for Life, which is around this idea, a structured approach towards working out what are your key goals and dreams in your life. And that was in about 2004 that I first came across that. And then when I was doing that uh, EMP program at at MIT, one of the lecturers mentioned a book. This was in 2007 called The Dream Manager by Matthew Kelly. And... um, it was just an amazing story about a company of janitors and how they brought this idea of people achieving their personal goals and dreams into the workplace. And yeah, so we rolled it out in 2008. And, um, I think when you roll any strategy out in business, sometimes it's like pulling teeth and it's very, very difficult. And there's a huge inertia as you start, but, uh, the dreams program and, and, and the, Rolling this out has been um, been a lot of fun, and uh, it's it's really massively amplified the the meaning I find in what I do every day.
0: Well, okay, this is thank you for that for that insight about the map for life and the Dream Manager book. But when you tell us rolled it out, what did you roll out? So talk to me a little bit more, if you don't mind, about like okay, so sure. I read this, and we we wanted to integrate it into our company, and this is what it looked like when we first did it.
1: Yeah, so what we did is we, we, we took our team, uh, we divided them into groups of about eight people. Um, we trained one selected or volunteered person in that group as what we call a dream coach. And we took those uh, dream groups through a process of creating a dream book. And uh, what a dream book means in in our culture is your top ten goals and dreams visualized. So that typically is something we kick off in about November, and uh, going into the new calendar year, we're done with 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 dream books. And you present that in your groups, and it's something that lives in the line management relationship as well. So the parts of the program, when you say roll it out, we ask, well, how did we roll it out? One was create the dream dream book, uh, create a dream group that you're part of, which generally you stay in that for a long period of time. And then we have some rhythms. Uh, we have a weekly rhythm where you do something called the dream weeks in a week in advance, which is no matter how crazy the week gets, what are the three to five things I want to make sure that I implement this week? and uh, towards achieving my personal goals and dreams. And then we've also incorporated it into our, every six months we do line management reviews or performance reviews, and there's a section around your top goals and dreams. So that's how we've rolled it out and that's how we've brought it to life. There are many other parts, but that's probably just a simple, simplified, easy to grasp version of it.
0: Yeah, that's super helpful. So just to kind of recap, the, the you know the bigger picture of this is the first thing you do is you divide up everybody into these groups you does does the coach is that person selected or do they do they kind of initiate themselves for that like how how does it determine do they volunteer who the like coach is in each
1: group so we um in the beginning we literally went through and said who do we think would make a good dream coach and then we approached them individually and if they said look I don't really feel this this is something I want to do, then we would look for someone else. but it was a combination of uh, asking people if they would be happy to to do that, to take this role and then them in turn saying yes, they would like to. and then there's we have monthly training around the the dream coaches.
0: Wow, and so what makes a good what 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 characteristics were you guys looking for within a group to see yeah, I think that would be a good person to lead this initiative?
1: People like Shana. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, then. No, I mean that. You're looking for an evolved soul, someone with a sense of humility, someone that that buys into this idea of sharing with a certain level of vulnerability, um, someone that seems to be in a good place around their personal leadership, and probably a concept which comes from the idea of gestalt, where you share from experience and you don't just give opinion. Um, so those are some of the elements that, that we look at. And it's, you know, it's, it's a lot of the world that you live in uh it's that type of of person and they might just be a diamond in the rough or they might be someone that actually has a goal of being a better coach because what we've seen is where you develop your coaching skills you become a better manager leader or or team member so there's a there's a there's a growth growth area to it as well
0: And I'm glad you mentioned that, too, because, you know, on one end, it's kind of you think maybe what is the incentive? Why would somebody want to take that extra responsibility into their day job? But A, I like that you say that you point out like part part of being this, just like anybody who in school volunteers to be the president of their organization or they get involved in those things because it develops their skill. And I remember from my perspective, when I was working full time, I volunteered to create a wellness initiative for the entire city agency that I worked for and created a committee. And I I did this for no other reason, but it made me feel good to be a part of something that I think mattered to me and to the, to my colleagues, as far as how, how if we were healthy and and exercising and well at work. And so I think in those instances, you might not need to say, Oh, you get extra money or there might not be an incentive. I think there's always somebody in the group who can't help themselves, but to want to kind of jump in and take the, take the reins, even when there's seemingly no outside incentive. So, okay, that makes sense to like, if you're doing this in your company, you know, identifying those those folks who who thrive in those in those roles where if they were assigned a group project, they'd automatically want to take the take the reins because they like to lead these types of things.
1: Exactly, and I think the the example you gave is perfect. You you took a much uh, probably a broader arching initiative where you did it across the organization. This would be a microcosm of that. But I suppose if you were to think back to that time once you'd initiated that, and then you saw some people embracing their wellness and maybe their health and fitness, how did that make you feel? And oh. that's the opportunity that comes from being a dream coach. 100%. Like to me,
0: I mean, some initiatives all admittedly, I was the only participant because it really mattered to <laughs> me most. I, I was the only one on the 5k team, but you know, to see <laughs> to see like what we called in city government lifers, right? Like mature workers who'd been in city government for a hundred years and kind of typically operated in the status quo. Very lovely people, but weren't necessarily like climbing the ladder of their career. But to see those individuals get excited about coming to meditation once a week that one of my colleagues had started, that was really cool. I mean, to me, that was like, wow, I have this person who I don't know is, is a- at all had been particularly interested into this space. And this they literally got introduced to this through their work, and through this Wednesday morning thing that one of my colleagues thought would be really important to give people a calming start to their day and to see, like, the, the kind of motley crew that showed up for that made me feel like, see, this people want this. You know, this
1: makes me yeah. feel good
0: that we started this.
1: Yeah, that's uh, – you, you get it,
0: 100%. So, um, all right, so cool. So we have the groups. We've identified collectively or maybe that individual has volunteered themselves, like, who would be a good person to more – and I, of course, see a coach more as – like as a leader, but also as a facilitator. So they're really there to facilitate other people's movement more so than like you said, telling people what to do. And so I think exactly. taking that pressure off, it gives people, you still have to be someone who takes initiative, but it, it takes away that like, wait, now I have to be like a boss figure and that's not really what it is. So you have the coach, exactly. you have the group. When you said you have this book, does the book, is that kind of like the Bible? Does it, does it guide the coach through like leading the group to get, so like what, I guess, what value add is this book? So, so you show up to this group. Is it just figure it out? Or does this book tell you step by step, like, here's how you start to create these dreams and this vision and, and this movement?
1: So the, the journaling tool, My for Life, gives you a proposed structure towards coming up with your top 10 goals or dreams. And that's something we do once a year then the dream in the dream group meetings what we do is we make various coaching tools lifeline tools blind window tools uh, available to the dream coaches and they can choose which of those tools they would like to use depending on where their group is at or what some of the topics have that have come up from the sharing in their dream group so We really are taking a more decentralized, less dictatorial approach where let the dream group and the dream coach decide on the journey they want to take around supporting their people in achieving their goals and dreams.
0: Wow. So... Can you walk us through, if, if you don't mind, um, sure. kind of like imagining I'm in one of these groups and, you know, I'm either the coach or one of the members. And so we're sitting down in the group. Can you walk us through like how a typical like group meeting, would, what it would look like and what people would be doing during that session?
1: Sure. I, I can give you, give you an example. So typically we might start with a, a five-minute meditation um, and I think, uh, you know, we all know what it's like to have a busy day and you, there are so many things that can take you out of being present in, in the current moment. So we might start with a, a five minute meditation, uh, and then we would go around and do a one word, one word check-in. So someone might say frazzled, the other might say centered, another might say stressed, calm, yeah. So you kind of get a sort of a pulse check of where everybody is at. And then from there, uh, typically there is uh, people have prepared. So you've uh, prepared an update as far as your top 10 goals and dreams. You do a red, green, and amber. So red means you're not making the progress you want on that goal. Or dream green means you're making great progress. Amber means you're making some progress, but you're not sure if you're going to achieve what you want. Um, so there, there be that type of check-in where you might talk to the top two challenges that you're f- facing from from your top personal goals and dreams, and the top two that you're that you're really making great progress on. And then from there, typically what what might happen in a in a dream group is someone would present agreed from the previous dream group meeting on a particular challenge that they're facing, and then yeah. the rest of the dream group would talk from a space of uh, of gestalt and share from experience well i've had a similar experience in my life and this is what happened and this is how i dealt with it and it's quite a structured and there's a there's a timekeeper to make sure everybody has a chance to share uh equally and um and out of those initial check-ins of where you're at on your uh your dream book and how you're doing um the, the dream coach might select someone or will select someone who would present next. And there's vicarious learning that happens. And you might think, well, the presenter is getting all of the benefit. But typically, when someone presents on a challenge or an opportunity they're facing in their life, you learn so much from the other experience sharing yep. in the dream group as well. Um, yeah, and that's, that's kind of roughly what an agenda might, might look like. But different dream groups take different approaches.
0: So tell me, let's back it up a little bit because now I'm like, okay, now I see the process, but I'm, you know, part of my role, as you know, as a coach and working with businesses or executives is the first thing I do is like, okay, so what, where do you want to be? Whether if it's your company, what's your strategic vision? Where do you want to be in five years and three years? Let's chunk that out as an individual. What is your, what is your career goal or dream? So we, th- that word dream is so big, right? It's very loaded. So, what is the process for how many is there? Is there any structure around that? Like how many dream goals do you set? And are any of those yes. too, too unrealistic that you're going to set yourself up for failure? Like how does that process yeah. work for setting it?
1: Yeah. Okay. Let me talk you through that. So you take the wheel of life. So imagine there are eight spokes um, of the wheel of life from fitness and health to career to financial to family to eight spokes that kind of define the eight areas of life. So you go and rate yourself in a current state analysis across, uh, uh, for each of those areas of your life. And it's all relative, right? You, someone might be a triathlete and give themselves a six out of 10 for, for fitness and health. And someone might not be anything like that and give themselves a nine just because of the progress they've made. So then you brainstorm perspoke of the wheel of life. If there were no limits, no financial limits, no time limits, no age limits, no physical limits, what would you like to achieve? In that part of your life, so you might come up with ten goals or dreams that you've brainstormed per spoke. So let's imagine you have eighty goals and dreams now. The process then takes you through a structured way of distilling what is the most important to you, and it brings it down to your top twenty-five. So it takes um, it takes uh, it's initially two. From each spokes, so you end up with 16, and then you can take nine from wherever else you like, so you end up with 25. Then it takes you down to your top 10. Um, so that's an annual cycle that you do, and that's how you decide on your top 10 goals and dreams. And your 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 point around okay what happens if it's too ambitious and it's unrealistic and so forth so where the real value comes is where someone is diligent in this process on an annual basis that will that will naturally come out of it and then they say, okay well i need to make something more short-term realistic for this year or they need to say they could say i need to make something more ambitious so some of the goals you know range from someone walking the wall of running the that marathon on the the wall of china right the way through to visiting my aunt in connecticut who i haven't seen for nine months so some of them are really simple some of them are really bold but there's something that happens and i can't quite explain it and i'm sure we've all experienced this in our lives when you think you know someone you sit down with them and they share openly what they want in, really want in their life in an authentic way. There's something in the human spirit that just connects and you want to see that person achieve it. And that's what we've tried to do through the program is create a very real and authentic and safe space for you to talk about what you, what you really, really want.
0: God, that is so important. It's such a key principle to coaching in general. And it's so first, you're thinking, I love how you guys are able to just, there is no wrong number and there is no wrong dream. Brainstorm, put it out there. And then to your point, like, it could be something you can bang out in a weekend or you could actually do as soon as you leave this office. It's a 10-minute thing you've just been avoiding. Or it could be running a marathon or, you know, saving up your money to take a big trip. And, and some might be more time-consuming, thereby needing that, that amount of focus than others. So sometimes you might have eight you can bang out six of them, but sometimes you might just have this, do people just have one that's like really big or that's all they can focus on. And, and is that okay?
1: Well, generally the, what the process is encouraging is for you to come up with a top 10, but sometimes people, I haven't seen one. I've seen maybe as, as few as four. Sometimes people mm-hmm. have got 12. So it kind of, we don't police that, but they're yeah. kind of free to do it in a way that they think makes the most sense for them.
0: And then what's interesting to me or what would be interesting from a coaching perspective in doing this is the why. So why do you want to visit your aunt in Connecticut? Like, what, what is that going to do? And there's something bigger there, right? It's, well, I feel yeah. like this person might need my attention. And, and okay, but what, how does it make you feel if you give that person the attention? And really peeling back those layers to see, like, so the action that you're going to take is this. But what you're really trying to fulfill is some kind of feeling that you need to have. And then that, that could inspire like what else can bring you that feeling in addition to going to see your aunt in Connecticut and how can you make that part of your life? Because that clearly is a feeling that you, you need.
1: Exactly. And I think we can, you can see it in different people that engage in the program. So the one year they might have, I, I want to drive, I, I want to own a Tesla and then they own the Tesla. And the next year they're like, it felt a bit empty. Uh, I, huh. I don't think <laughs> if I want to have such a shadow goal next year. Or you see different chapters in people's lives. So they're, they're about to, they're, they're, their husband or their, their wife is pregnant and they're now going to have a baby. And uh, suddenly now the priorities shift and change. And by doing it in a diligent way annually, you see them shift and different things uh, come out. This is just,
0: I, the reason I think I love this so much is that it's done it's couched in a business setting. I mean literally this is what coaching is. This is what life coaching is. This is what a lot of co- components of, of career coaching so that a company has invested this in their people in their like in addition to your to your jobs that I'm paying you to do like this is part of who we are as a culture. I think that is so Amazing and honestly I feel like it would scare a lot of leaders. I think a lot of leaders would be like, ah, oh, we don't have time for that or and they and look at yeah. you're, you're operating a fully functional, successful and thriving business all the while helping people pursue like it is possible. So speaking of which, though, um, you know, I hear a lot with with my clients, even with the businesses I work with, I'm teaching a course right now. And, and, you know, these people are very busy and they're running small businesses and they're trying to get the supplemental work done. So I like that you said at the beginning about the rhythm and how often you'll hear people say, well, sure, I'd love to go take a trip to Hawaii, but, you know, who has time? Or I'd love to start writing more, but I'm too busy and my, my life got away with me. Even when I've coached people business coaching and I'm coaching them around their performance goals. Yeah, I was supposed to set that chart up or organize this file but I just didn't have time. And so they're perpetuating the problems in their in their workspace because they're not able to to dedicate the time to this. So I like how you said that you know aligning the rhythm of we get everybody's busy but like let's make sure that we're creating time along with your business stuff and we're, we're carving out that time to pursue this. So how does that work? How do you create that alignment and ensure that people don't use that excuse of like, I'm too busy. And if I have to do this, I'll neglect my work.
1: Yeah, that's a great, a great question. And I think um, there are a few parts to it. The first is we all own at the end of the day where we allocate our time and uh, how disciplined we are in, 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 In focusing on what we we want to achieve from a from an institutional habits perspective, if you look at Charles Duhigg's book around the power of habit an institutional habit, we've created around the program is what we call a dreams week in advance. So on a Monday before 12 p.m., we want you to go into the dreams platform and submit the top three to five or even 10 things you're going to get done this week that are going to take you towards achieving the goals and dreams in your dream book, and that then gets circulated to your dream coach just so there's some level of of uh, accountability slash uh, sharing around what you're focusing on. and then the 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 third the third piece that we've that we've implemented, which has helped uh, incentivize it and not performance measure, it is because culture is there's such a, a nuance between cultural leadership. And normal organizational leadership, where I believe cultural leadership is actually more a form of community leadership, whereas, you know, normal organizational leadership, you have to hit your sales numbers and no matter what, you've got to hit those numbers. So we use the Balanced Scorecard as a performance measurement system. And for your participation and engagement in the DREAMS program, like the DREAMS Week in advance, like attending your DREAM group meetings, it doesn't count towards hundred percent of your balance scorecard it's actually an incentive on top of it so you could actually get 105 percent for your performance measurement on a monthly basis if you participate in the dreamers program so there's a bonus piece to it which sits on top of your normal day-to-day performance performance measurement but the, the institutional habit piece is the dreams we can advance so sometimes just giving that space to think about it before the week just literally hits you like a tornado is to put down the three to five things you want to get done this week. Shane, are you there?
0: Oh, my bad. I had us on mute. I'm chatting away.
1: <laughs> I, no I, I worries. <laughs>
0: I'm like, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> All right, so we're back. Um, no problem. So, um, I'm so glad that you said, uh, so much that you said, I was like t- taking vigorous notes. So uh, just first, the cultural leadership and community leadership. Um, a friend of mine, she, she did another podcast with me on conscious capitalism. I'll send that to you, and I'm happy to connect you guys. It, it might be interesting for the work that you do, but she really focuses on... Um, like the power of purpose and the power of people and, and you know, the, the Patagonias and the Whole Foods and the Costco's that are focusing how they how they generate revenue on first how, how conscious of a, of a leader they are in terms of their people in the outside world. And so I love this idea of cultural leadership. And the more that I talk to businesses, specifically small businesses, but I think larger uh, enterprise level companies, too, there's so much fear around like people are gonna take advantage or we don't have the time or the work is so demanding, but time and time again, every company that is kind of instituting some of these like purpose driven f- components to the workplace, they're, they're seeing nothing but results and nothing but positive impact. So I, I just, yeah. I'm, I'm glad to keep hearing. And, and, you know, so you say like integrating this into the institutional habit, just like we punch in and punch out and we attend meetings, you know, there's, there's so much of the work day that is about, you know, just part of the process, whether you like it or not, whether it seems useful or not. We, we can do all these other things as part of our workday. So it is easy to integrate it. Did you have any pushback, like, oh, another thing I have to do? Or did people feel genuinely like it was such a nice reprieve that they, that they, they weren't worried that they would fall behind?
1: No, there was definitely some cynicism in the beginning, without a doubt. Like, oh, wow, this is, seems like quite a clever way to to manipulate and is it a fad or you know so uh, there is there was some in some parts of the business i think there was some level of disbelief um but yeah we're i don't know we're 11 years in now and our cause is supporting the dreams of the doers so I think people realize it's definitely not a fad or some new program we've just decided to roll out. And I think to come back to the the dynamic of conscious capitalism and that really that next level of conscious leadership is many of those organizations are looking and saying, okay, fine, what are we doing in our organization that is making the lives of our customers better, which is an, an unbelievably meaningful purpose and cause. But what we're saying is we're taking a step further within and we're saying the greatest op- opportunity for meaning purpose and purpose is what when i when i get up and i go to work or i engage with my team members remotely how can i support them and be for be there for them in their lives is is a purpose that comes even before what we do for our customers and it's so much closer and easier to grasp and understand so We're saying in our course, Supporting the Dreams of the Doers, first, it's our people. Because you could meet someone for coffee, uh, you could go and have a coffee with them in the office, and they could be having a tough day, and you could share an experience. It could literally have a huge impact on their life. And I think if we could shift the thinking in the workplace that we spend most of our waking hours working, uh, and how can we truly, truly solve this employee engagement challenge where people embrace the idea of being engaged in the workplace, embrace the idea of, of, of being there for their people. I think that's the greatest level of conscious capitalism you could ever hope for within an organization.
0: 100%. I think from the employee perspective, too, if... If you see that it works, if, if, you know, if you're just starting this at a company and you see that you can actually do this, focus on your dreams, put some time into it, it's, the work has been included in the workday and you're not falling behind. And in fact, even if you had to take some of that, a little chunk of that day, you'd ordinarily just start emailing but you feel better as a person when you, when you have less time, you do, you make more use of that time. And it's kind of just like, you know, parents who feel some kind of way because they have to leave their kids to work. But I feel like when you come home, I guarantee you that quality time with your kids is exponentially higher than it would be if you were with them 24 hours a day. So it's that, exactly. like you know, and also, you know, Again, there's so many, I think, uh, companies that are still entrenched in this customer-focused idea. Well, I'm paying you to come to work, so that's why you should show up. And your job is to care about the customers. But I try to tell them over and over again, like, that's not enough for people. It might seem obvious, oh, you're getting paid, do the job. Sure, if you want them to do just the job. But if you want them to, ex- to perform exceptionally, then invest in them first. So if you show up for your people saying, I care about you, I care about what you need, I want to help you get what you need, your people show up for the customers and they say, Say Well, I care about what the customers need now because I'm getting what I need. Let me help them. And thereby the customers are showing up for your business because now they're on the receiving end of that great service or product and they want to keep working with your company. And it seems very simple, but I don't think a lot of companies have bought into that yet. And they're still hanging on to this like show up because you're paid to show up and, and you know, do the work for the customers because that's who we are as a company and they don't realize that that's not the human condition. We need to feel like we're making an impact and we also need to feel good about our lives if we're going to spend so much time in this workplace to give it everything we have.
1: Yeah, no, exactly. And I, yeah, I, I think it's, it's, it's and, and, and one of the elements that I think can potentially make it scalable because I think as leaders, particularly of large organizations, is you feel this burden of, 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 Making it a reality that all the people in your organization feel that you deeply, deeply care about them. And as real and as meaningful as, as that, that intention might be, I think the only way to truly achieve it is if you make it part of the DNA of your culture where that's decentralized. And it lives in every single individual of your organization where the idea is, how can you be there for someone that you work with? How can yep. you uh, help them in a time of need or just be a friend for them in a time of need?
0: Yes, 100 percent. And that's right. Like, uh, you know, making it part of the DNA of your culture. And, and I think, again, if you're a company that is thinking about integrating something like this or increasing your employee engagement through so, through some this kind of initiative, you know, as at the, from the top down, you have to commit to it you can't just say we want to do it but then be afraid of what what it's going to take away from and kind of do it half-assed. You have to to really want to do it and believe in it and when you roll it out it might be new and change, people resist it but like what I think is interesting about your company now when somebody comes in 10 years in this is your company culture. They're not going well how am I going to do this program it's going to take away from my work because it's just what the company means so they're not even questioning versus when you might integrate it into something that already exists once it becomes part of your culture when new people are onboarded they don't know anything else but this is part of your culture and so it's much easier to integrate it yeah I think that's amazing so Oren um I don't want to take too much of your time but I would love if you just before we end give me can you give me to pick a specific person who okay here was their role here was here was their performance level or kind of we were satisfied or not satisfied or they were already great and like they started participating in this program here was their dream you know here's what they did and then even talk a little bit too about not only their personal dream being accomplished, but how, how you saw maybe some impact in their performance at work?
1: Yeah, I, um, oh, there's so many amazing stories, you know, when I, I can look imagine, at culture, <laughs> you know, and I'm sure you've seen this in your experience as well. Um, some of the most powerful things that can happen in your culture when they're not initiated from, any of the leadership team. And I'll give you one example that came out of the DREAMS program. So my assistant um, uh, had a baby approximately three years ago. And at about six months old, um, her, her little girl got um, a really bad uh, flu. And unfortunately oh. she passed away.
0: Oh my God. And.
1: Yeah, it was, it was absolutely heartbreaking. And, you know, and as close as I am to her and as much as we chatted in the time and supported her, only a year later did I find out that one of the ladies in her dream group had actually invited her to come and live with her for three weeks just to give her support uh, through that. And, you know, that's that's not something that the company initiated. We had a a support program and we uh, helped to find a counselor to work through it. So it's some of these things that um, just so deeply, deeply inspire me and carry carry so, so, so much meaning. Um, Mm. Yeah, and they're just they're just they're just so many examples and stories like this that bring out the humanity in the workplace where people actually just really deeply care about each other and want to be there for each other. And when you look at when you look at um, Marcus Buckingham's work in his book, First Break, All the Rules, where they surveyed about, I think it was about 80,000 companies and about a million staff. And there were 12 questions that he that they came up with, and one of them was, do you have a best friend at work? Uh, do you feel your line manager cares about you? And you look at some of those questions that create loyalty, and real employee engagement. It's around just really caring about what your people are going through and what they want uh, in their lives. And this program provides that. So. I mean, we've seen direct uh, impact on, on, on uh, people's performance. But look, end of the day, we are still a meritocracy. And uh, as much as the Dreams program is part of our DNA, if, if someone is not performing at all, and they're not, you know, delivering. Uh, we, we need to deliver and people need to be held accountable. So we balance this this dynamic of our purpose being supporting the dreams of the doers and our dreams program and a meritocracy where, where we need to actually deliver as well.
0: Right. And listen, in real life, you know, if... If you have – if your work doesn't do this and you want to lose weight or do something, you have to get up earlier before you go to work and go to the gym. Like you have to put in – if you're a working professional, whatever you want to do in your personal life will require you to add in that time into your already busy schedule. And that's just kind of what it is. You're not going to not pick up your kids from school because it's too hard to be both a parent and, and you figure out how to – it. you know, it takes extra time out of your day. But you're getting everything done that needs to be done to fulfill your personal and your professional goals. So it's just another – component of that. We're giving you the freedom to do that, you know, as part of your role, but your role can't be neglected in order to do this. It's, it's about figuring out how to do this and you don't have to do it exclusively outside of work. We're integrating some aspects of this in the workplace. And that's actually a bonus because I think most people are doing, something outside of the workplace to fulfill themselves and, and to have the privilege of giving, giving, giving them access to do that somewhat in, in the job as part of what they do in their workplace is, is great. And I just have to say that I love that you said caring. I think, you know, when we think about jobs like teachers, right, you would hope the principal cares about his teachers because they care about the students. But when we get into like the business field in the workplace, it feels like that's not as important to people. I'm not saying you have to go out for drinks or invite everybody to your home, but, yeah, you need to care about who works for you because, you know, even if your personality conflict, there could be something going on with that person or, you know, there could be something they need to thrive. And, you have, you know, caring and coaching and, and it's just so much a huge part of giving somebody a fulfilling working experience. And I think it's our duty as a leader to care about who works for us. And it's our duty as a human to care about our colleagues, even if we don't necessarily jive with them. We still care about their, their well-being and their happiness, you know
1: exactly no i couldn't i couldn't agree more
0: can you tell us is there any like particular dream you can think of that somebody pursued like a high performing person that was really impressive and crazy like a trip or some kind of jumping out of a plane or taking a trip to space or something
1: yeah sure we have um you know we have we have quite a lot of really bright engineers in our team and uh these are mad professors to say the least and we have one that pursues uh Every sport you can think of that uh, has a high probability of him killing himself. Oh my um, God! <laughs> like <laughs> what? He's crazy. Well, he does. He, he does. Um, uh, what do you, well, he's, di- I know, he's done. I done skydiving and that. Um, what's it where you you? Uh, there's a. It's like a. It's like a microlite, but it's attached to a parachute sail. I think it's called parasailing, but it's got an engine on anyway he's been he's yeah he's he's been i was actually talking to him yesterday outside the office and he's um he's been doing his license uh for i think you buy a trike which is basically it's like a little airplane motor but it's on a parasail and uh yeah so he's he's just bought a, a parasailing trike now um and yeah there's just so many so many stories like that that uh that's, that, that, yeah, just really, really inspire the rest of the team. I was with my, our CIO two days ago, and um, he's, lost, he's lost in excess of 30 pounds. Wow. You know, and sometimes in the workplace, we also often say, you know, we're so busy and we haven't got time to exercise or we haven't got time to plan our meals. And when you see a guy you work with, who just be so disciplined. It just yeah. inspires the rest, the, re- the rest of the team. But, yeah, just so many of those examples and stories that, yeah, just inspire me.
0: And are there just a final question about that? So if I have some big lofty goal, like run the 26 mile marathon and I've never done a day of running in my life is part of that weekly meeting process, helping you chunk it out. So like, you're not going to, you're not going to do that tomorrow, but let's get you started. The first thing, sign up. Like first thing is put your name on the paper. And by next week, if you put your name on the paper, you're moving the needle. Is that part of that, that weekly meeting is getting people through the steps to get there?
1: Yeah, so there's the, there's the, that weekly dreams in advance dreams week in advance rhythm, and then we we employ the sort of Covey's uh, four habits of four disciplines of execution. Focus on the wildly important. Break it down into bite-sized chunks. Hold each other hold each other accountable, and then dashboard it. So that's part of the coaching process is to unpack the really big, or hairy, audacious dreams. Perfect. I
0: love this. So Aaron, as we wrap this up, is there any like final thoughts or guidance or insight you want to share with companies that might be exploring doing something like this and how to, how to get started?
1: I think the question to ask is, um, I think there are two, two key elements in embracing this type of thinking in your culture. One, is the leadership team of your organization ready for this level of of engagement and authenticity? And secondly, is the cultural fertility there in the organization as well? Because I think if, uh, if, if an organization is in a, in a place where it's come through lots of acquisitions and lots of layoffs, and there is an issue with the, the respect for the leadership team, the adoption of a program like this might not be the right time. Uh, those are the two pieces. But um, yeah, we've we've had so much fun rolling this out and implementing it in our business. And if there's anybody that wanted to chat or or uh kind of we can happily share our experience.
0: Oh, I love this. So, so thank you so much for joining us and for taking the time to share your your insight and your experience here and cultivating the dreamers and doers. And I actually would say to for the, anybody who's listening to check out the website. I don't know if this is if you agree, Oren, but I went on there and saw like some of the case studies of folks in their dreams and to see the positive impact that this has not only on the people, but what it's having on your business. Um, and so, N E T S U R I T dot com, and you can go to their uh, Dreamers and Doers initi- initiative. Would you recommend that as well? Yeah, that's great. Awesome. <laughs> So thank you, Oren. Thank you to our listeners for tuning in. We appreciate your interest in and support of the show. Please subscribe to the Talent Revolution on Apple, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. You can also go to my website, shanaleecoaching.com, listed in the show notes, and click on the Talent Revolution tab. On that page, you'll see additional hosting platforms for our show. Also, while on that page, you are welcome to suggest any talent or HR topics you would like us to consider featuring on a future episode. We'll be back soon. Until then, remember, the simple formula to success in business is put your people first and the rest will follow.